and, and uh, worshiping with the youth band this morning. What did you think about the youth band this morning? I prayed a prayer over the youth band, and I can remember when that prayer was being said over me, and I just suddenly realized that prayer is not being said over me anymore because I'm not so youthy. I'm now 37. That was 20 years ago uh, when I was in the youth band, and I can just remember the nerves coming out onto this stage thinking, what if I mess up? And the beautiful thing about uh, being in a worship band is that we're in the midst of a bunch of forgiving people here this morning, right? And we're in about a, a, a church that is supportive of our next generations. I'll repeat that because I don't think you heard me. <laughs> we are in a church that is supportive of our next generations. Thank you. We sent out an email this week. We told you this was going to be an hour-long service, and so I've got my timer set, and it's going to do the Old Spice whistle, that commercial, when I'm done. No, I'm just joking. Uh, well, it might. This morning, I want to uh, draw your attention um, to the, the whole reason why we're together here today. We're here today to hear God's word, the truth of God's word. In an age where truth is not spoken very much, we come on Sunday mornings expecting to hear truth. Amen? And as families, this is Family Sunday, and I have a family, quite a large one. If you're new here today, I have five kids. The fourth, the fourth one was, was on purpose, the fifth one but she is beautiful, and she's sitting right down here. Is she sleeping? She's sleeping. That's, I always love it when a baby sleeps. It's my favorite time of day. And so today, I want to encourage us as the family of God and as a family unit. Because I, I really believe that if the family unit is healthy, society is healthy. I believe the family unit is healthy, then culture moves towards a healthy state. But with the destruction of the family unit, so goes our society. And so it makes you really live your life on purpose. When we have families teaching our kids, being kind and loving and graceful to your spouse, respecting your spouse, loving your spouse. When's the last time you bought her roses? For me, honey, I think it was like three months ago, but I did it. Actually, no, I got you some willows from this nice, it was a $15 package and from Sobeys. <laughs> you know, but I mean, she, I mean, she was smitten. <laughs> she wasn't expecting it. Husbands, that is what you have to do. Everybody expects it on Valentine's Day. That, that is such a lame, lame time to only give your wife roses on Valentine's Day, Kendall. And, and so the reason, why, the reason why I did that is because, you know what? She is going to love me so much, and whatever I ask for after that, it's golden. No, but the truth is, our families are so important to us, so precious, and we want to highlight our families here at Journey Church um, if you want to turn in your scriptures, uh, it's going to be on the screen as well. 
I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about truth this morning. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Acts 18, 24 to 28. We are in uh, the last uh, two Sundays of, of the story that we've been doing for the past 31 weeks. So if you're here this morning and you feel left out, don't feel left out. Every sermon is a good message on its own. It doesn't depend on the other ones. But we've been going through the whole Bible together as a church family. And we have been digging into the Word of God. And this morning, we're going to hit um, Acts and Galatians. Acts 18, 24 to 28. It says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the Scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he had taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit. He taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he only knew about John's baptism. In other words, we'll pause right there for a second. In other words, he only knew half the story. And the Bible says that he was an enthusiastic preacher, preaching about only half the story. Enter Priscilla and Aquila. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. And that's the rest of the story. That's the rest of the story. The problem in, in our society today is that we live our lives by half-truths. And we don't know the rest of the story sometimes. We are willing to accept any truth that doesn't reveal the areas that we need to change. But as soon as that truth, as soon as we're faced with that truth that requires us to look inward and to change, we shy away from it, don't we? We, don't, we, we get distracted. We distract ourselves from the truth. Anytime I've ever been confronted by somebody that I knew was true in me, immediately my back went up and I started to flex. Because when anybody tells me I'm doing something wrong or anybody tells me that I don't view this the right way or if they know something about my attitude or my personality that isn't Christ-like and they confront me with that, I automatically put up a wall. How many others do that here this morning? When I was, uh, when I was living, my first house here, when I, when I moved uh, to Fredericton here uh, 10, 10 years ago, it'll be this June or July, when I moved, when I moved here, uh, we lived in the house on Canterbury, a little bungalow, and uh, it was my first house, my wife and I, Laura's first house. And uh, in the night, I, I realized that there were things that lived in the night that I didn't know about. And I would get up in the middle of the night and I would use the bathroom and as soon as I would turn the light switch on, these little tiny silver bugs 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen those slithery little... There would be about seven or eight of them on the floor. I about called my real estate agent and said, listen, you sold me a bad house, but these little silver bugs, as soon as I turned the light on, what would they do? They would run. They would disperse. They would scatter. They would go under uh, the walls because light to them was danger. And how many times when a light is shone on the dark places of our soul, the dark places of our hearts, do we scatter and do we run? Because we don't want to be faced with the truth. And in this story, Apollos, a very sharp guy, well-educated, an awesome, awesome speaker, when confronted with the truth, what he did is what I want to talk about in the next nine minutes. So I want to ask you the question this morning. There's two things I want to talk about. I want to talk talk about the truth, but I want to talk about how we receive the truth and how we communicate the truth. When faced with a truth that challenges us, there's two things we need to do. And this can be applied... Uh, this is going to be a practical sermon. I'm not going to get real, real deep and philosophical with you this morning, but I believe that, that we need to know what God expects of us when we are faced with the truth. The Bible talks about God abhorring pride. Pride, he absolutely hates. In fact, the word abhor, and I believe I've said this before, the word abhor is actually more intense than the word hate. The Bible uses a different word for this because God absolutely despises and hates even the, the, little, the littlest of, of sense of pride. Why is that? Because pride does not allow us to grow. Pride does not allow us to see where we need to change. And so there are two things we need to do when we are confronted with 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 truth this morning, and that is we need to be humble enough to accept it. You know, it's kind of like when I say something at a party, okay? I'm at a party with a bunch of friends, and I start on this story or whatever it is, and I cross the line. I want you to raise your hands. How many people in a conversation have ever just crossed the line and didn't realize they were crossing the line? Men, everyone, raise their hands. So you're at a party, you're talking to your friends, and everyone else is laughing, and you think, this is great, right? Because I'm that kind of guy, if you haven't noticed. In a party, I like to be in the limelight. I like to be the guy that's telling the jokes, and everyone's laughing. That's me. It's who I am. God made me that way, and I can't help it. But the problem is, I abuse that sometimes, and I go over the line. And I don't realize it until when? The drive home. <laughs> I fear sometimes the drive home. It, uh, from, the, from the walk to their hu- from their house to our car, I start thinking, did I say anything wrong? Did I cross? Honestly, this is, no, not so much anymore. I'm, I've wised up in my old age. But especially younger in our marriage, I would walk out from someone's house and I would think, okay, okay, what did I do? Did I say anything wrong? I know that I'm feeling really guilty about something. What is it? What is it? What is it? Well, it doesn't have to, I don't have to wait long because as soon as we get into the car, my wife, God bless her, she, if it wasn't for her, I would be a mess. 
If it wasn't for my wife, I'd be one lost soul. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you realize it. Now, when she brings it up to me in the car, okay? Now, I'm, I'm giving you an illustration here because this is Family Sunday. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about receiving truth humbly. When she talks to me, I have two choices. I can either do this, or I can say, or I can do this. Those are my two choices. And without a doubt, she is, why is it? She's always right. But why is it that I never want to admit it? You see, so many times, if I would, now, she has told me this many times, and finally I've started to listen. I've humbly accepted the truth that she has told me. When you're confronted with truth, how do you respond? How do you respond in, your, in, in a family situation? When you're talking to your spouses, how do you respond? When you're looking in the eyes of your spouse, do you realize that God loves that person, died for that person? And so for us to have so much pride that we're not willing to change our ways but expect them to change their ways, mm -mm. that doesn't work whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. But especially as Christians, be humble enough to accept it. Number two, be bold enough to do something about it. It doesn't matter if you're humble enough to accept something if you're not bold enough to do something about it. All that means is that you're not really that sorry. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. I won't do this again. You're, right. you're absolutely right. And then keep on doing it. Or be, be, be faced with, with a, a challenge from God that says, I want you to do this. And I say, yes, yes, Lord, I do want to do that because I want to please you, and then I forget about it, and I don't do it. Apollos was humble enough to accept the truth that Priscilla and Aquila presented to him. He was the man of the hour. He was the speaker. People loved listening to him speak, but yet he was humble enough to accept the truth, and he was bold enough to do something about it. At the end of, the, uh, of that scripture, it talks about how he moved on into his ministry. And, and the Bible says that God was able to use him even more effectively. Why? It wasn't just because he was humble enough to accept the truth that he was faced with, but he was also bold enough to put it into practice. He started preaching that Jesus was the Messiah. He started preaching the whole truth. God can use humble people, but you also have to act. And that's where we stop a lot of the times. We, we, we will receive something, but we won't act on it. Unexercised truth. You can write this one down. Write it on your tablet, highlight it, bold it, underline it, put it on your computer screen at the office. Unexercised truth creates spiritual atrophy. I'll say that again. Unexercised truth creates spiritual atrophy. Why is it that in North America it's so different when you travel overseas and you see people in action? Now, I'm not saying that that's the way it is with everybody. I'm not painting everyone with the same brush. But there's a difference. 
We're so used to just receiving the truth on a Sunday morning, receiving the truth in our devotions, receiving the truth on listening to Joy FM, receiving the truth, receiving the truth, receiving the truth. But we still don't do anything about the truth. And that causes our spiritual inner being to decay, to waste away. I believe that there is, there is a better way. To recognize your need for healthy eating and for exercise and do nothing about it changes nothing and you continue to have the same problems and the same issues over and over and over again and even worse. I recognize the problem with me. I recognize this problem. I've been telling my wife for a long time, honey, I'm going to start eating healthy. So I went to Costco last night and bought a bunch of salad. I did. That three-pack, it's a good deal. You see, if I don't do anything about that, if I don't do anything about my health, all I'm doing is accepting the truth and not acting on it, not being bold enough to act on it. I'm going to ask the band to come back. As a spouse, as a parent, to recognize where we need to change and do nothing about it causes dissension and causes hurt and pain within the household. Have you ever walked into a room with your spouse and just sensed the tension? Have you ever walked into the room and just sensed that there was something wrong? Chances are it wasn't one thing you did. Chances are it may not even be anything you did. But there's a buildup. There's a buildup. There's a buildup. And it seems like every time you have a conversation with your spouse, you realize sometimes the error of your ways or in any relationship. We can apply this to any relationship this morning. We know what we need to do. The defining factor is, are we bold enough to do something about it? Our families are important. There is nothing more important in my mind than than the health, the spiritual health, the emotional health, the health of a family. If our families were healthy, our schools would be healthier, our workplaces would be healthier. Our society would develop and mature. So this morning, that is up to you this morning. God is calling, I believe God's calling families to step it up. He's asking men and women in your household to step it up, to teach your kids the right way, and to model the right way. I ask you to stand this morning. You know, my, my personality is my personality is definitely um, sometimes I'll just say what comes to my mind. That's great sometimes, it's not so great some other times. The way this is the other side of, of, of it. It, it, it matters how we receive truth, but it also matters how we communicate it, 
How do you communicate truth to your friends and to your loved ones and to your, to your family members? How do you communicate that? Do you communicate that by clamming up and not saying anything at all? Do you, do you communicate that with harshness? How do we communicate that? In Galatians 5.16, it says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And it goes on to say in Galatians 5.22 and 23, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need to be people that communicate truth with grace. But it's so difficult. It's so difficult because we just want to get it out. We just want to tell that person where to go and how to get there. Right? If we could receive truth humbly, if we could be bold enough to do something about it in our own lives, and when we communicate truth to others, whether it be in our family, friends, or workplace, with grace, communicate it with grace and love, I believe that we could walk out of this place and this whole, this, this, your circle of friends could be a whole different atmosphere you could be the light. But what we don't do is don't say anything at all. And I'm not going to go into a, a huge long story because we're, we're going we're to forego that video, Alex. I'm not going to go into this story um, in, in detail. But I, I uh, had a friend a while back and he was dating this girl. And I felt impressed amongst many other friends, we felt impressed to talk to him about this girl because we really felt like it wasn't God's will. Now, he, he could have taken that and not done anything with it. We just, over time, we just started to feel like this. We prayed about it and, and we, we all felt separately of each other, not together, but separately of each other, that we need to talk to this guy. But guess what? We didn't. We didn't. Why? I was scared that it would come between me and him. Fast forward a few years later, they're, di they're divorced and remarried. Now, am I saying that my conversation with him would have changed things? Probably not. Maybe but it's still our responsibility to communicate truth where we see that it needs to be communicated. And I'm not, I'm not that, that was just an example, but whenever there is something that we feel we need to communicate to our spouses, we can't be afraid to not say it. But we need to say it with grace. So this morning as we, uh, as we change gears here, um, I told you we'd be out at 11.30, and it's 11.24, and so I'm going to keep my promise to you, and then we're going to have a barbecue. Everyone okay with that?